Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Hey, and welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Myers & Associates, serving the Midwest with industrial maintenance products and services. Call them at 515-795-3676. Myers & Associates, keeping your operations running. Hey, welcome back to another week of Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. This is Shane Vanderhart. Brian Myers is not in studio with us this morning. He's got this thing called work. (laughs) I, I, I don't understand Probably has something His to do price. with food, too, food, I would guess. Pudding, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Something like, you know, I need, I need, my family likes to eat, therefore I should probably work. Yeah. I think he's got his priorities messed up. Well, <laughs> that may be true. He should be, no, no. He's uh, doing some training, I believe, in St. Louis. Uh, so hope, um, he'll be, actually, next week he'll be back and I'll be gone. Uh, I'm taking my daughter on a college visit next uh, next week, so... Um, so that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to go? Allen College up in Waterloo. Waterloo. And yeah, she's interested in becoming a nurse. So she's oh, ch- neat. Yep, checking that out. She uh, a couple weeks ago went down to Hannibal Grange and mm-hmm. she's been looking at some other options too. So um, yeah, because my my oldest daughter obviously goes to Hannibal Grange and sure. Uh, but I think I think she really likes Allen, but she hasn't seen the campus yet. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. And, uh-huh. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Uh, fun taking a little trip with her on next week. And uh, yeah, the, I, I told for those who are watching on Facebook Live, they already know this, but our radio audience, uh, however, does not. I, uh, I have you can't see it on the radio, unfortunately, which is probably a good <laughs> thing. I've got this evil eye thing going on. I've got uh, some uh, viral conjunctivitis. It looks really cool, uh, especially <laughs> especially when you got like a you know blue eyes. So it's like red, uh, so bright red, and then this, you know, makes the blue look even brighter, I guess. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. Almost patriotic. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's why, that's exactly, I, I'm patriotic. That's why I have this. So anyway, yeah, the doctor told me, it's like, well, it's viral, so I could give you a anti-inflammatory eye drop, but otherwise just, it's going to take some time for it to go away. I'm like, nice. That'd be fun. <laughs> Um, the thing that stinks though is when you go in the, it's light, I have light sensitivity. So, and this just really started the other day. So I, I step outside and it's like, just starts throbbing. I'm Ooh. like, ah, oh, man. No fun. Fun. No fun at all. So we have a special guest on the line, uh, with us, Jake Porter. He's the executive director of Libertarian Party of Iowa. Um, he was a former, uh, secretary of state candidate and also, uh, a former uh, gubernatorial candidate as well. Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, Jake. Shane, how are you doing today? It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Hey, very welcome. I before we get started talking about Libertarian Party, you 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 are a unique fellow. You you still use a BlackBerry. You're one of the few people I know that actually use a BlackBerry. So you know that, that that's correct. I, I do. Uh, I, I didn't. Governor I, Brandstad and I are the only two people left in Iowa. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't realize they were still in existence. Yeah, uh, they actually run on the uh, Android platform now, so they can do everything that an Android oh, uh, okay. can do. All the, everything a Samsung can do. Just some extra security benefits added on there in the uh, BlackBerry Hub, which a lot of business people like. So there are still some some business people okay. that still do use it. I didn't realize they used Android. That that makes a little more sense now. 
Okay. Well, before they didn't, and you you were so limited on your apps that I actually got to the point I said I can't. It's a great business phone, but I actually have to have some apps to be able to communicate with people. Right. Um, so I had to had to do away with that. But I got the the new BlackBerry's dual operate on Android. So that's pretty. You know, I, I went to work with uh, Yahoo a few years ago, and they gave me a. They said you get a free phone. You have to get rid of the BlackBerry. So they gave me an Android. They said you won't miss the BlackBerry. Well, the second I left uh, Yahoo, I went back to the BlackBerry immediately. Okay. So you're you're a BlackBerry fan. I'm a yeah BlackBerry fan. All right. Yeah, I kind of I kind of got hooked on iPhone myself. I don't. I I used to have Android based phone. I didn't have the best phone to go with it, but um, I don't. I I actually like the Android platform. I just didn't like the phone I had. Um, I don't even remember what it was now. If I went to Android, I'd have to I'd have to do Samsung Galaxy or something like that. But anyway, that's that's not why we had you call. You know <laughs> why we're calling you. Uh, so I, I had to get the nerdy geek stuff out of the way. Um, Libertarian Party of Iowa, they're going through some. Uh, you guys have uh, some exciting news. Start you know after this past election, right? Absolutely. So you have a new status. Yep, major party status, um, which gives us access to the primaries, just like the Democrats and Republicans have. So it's a, a really a lot of growth happening in the party. I've been a libertarian since around 2004. I joined the state party in 2006 when I when I first moved to Iowa. And at that point, you know, people didn't know what a libertarian was back then. You know, you'd go in there and you'd say a uh, libertarian. They'd say, oh, the librarians. They didn't know they had a party. <laughs> A lot of things have changed over the past uh, past ten years. Okay, all right. So, major party status means basically you guys are on the ballot now, right? You don't have to. You always you were already on the ballot, weren't you? Correct. Yeah, we would have to collect the signatures. Gotcha. And the, the real the real bad thing about it was you'd have to wait until August, so it would put the media in kind of a, a bind too. They'd say, "Well, we're not going to report on you until." After you get on the ballot, well, by the time you get on the ballot, they're wanting to report just general election stuff, and they just kind of exclude you. So the Democrats and Republicans get all this uh, publicity after their primaries, and then we have to wait a couple months. Or in the past, we would have to wait a couple months. So now we won't have to do that. All right. And you guys are actually going to have the ability to do primaries as well. So how's, how's candidate recruitment going? Well, I'm, you know, we're, we're doing a push right now for candidate recruitment for both city council elections this year and then also candidate recruitment for next year. So last year we ran, I think it was uh, 25 candidates. Uh, it was the most we'd ever ran in the 45-year history of the, the state party. And next year I believe that we're going to run over 50 candidates, or it's looking like that, somewhere probably between 50 and 60 candidates. So, you know, the no other, no other political party... Um, you know, other than the Democrats and Republicans can run that many candidates. The Greens may run, you know, one or two a year. Right. I don't know of anyone else that, you know, there'll be a few that get on as, as no party, but, but no other organization will run anywhere near that many candidates. No, that's that's true. So, um, and of course, you know, you're hoping that this will end up building momentum. Uh, so yeah. what what are some things you guys are doing to try to, to increase your, I guess, the libertarian tent? Or are you trying to do oh, Yeah, absolutely. This is not a... Not an exclusive club. We're trying to bring uh, a whole bunch of people in there. Uh, we don't want this to be just a social club or a debate club, but we have the same people doing all the work. And so right now we've uh, went through, and uh, the voter registration is one thing we've really focused on. So back in 2008, 
active. Yeah, 2008, we got the ability to register as a libertarian of green. The ACLU helped us win that lawsuit. So we've been able to do that for a while. However, there was a major problem. We had heard reports that people could not even register as a libertarian. Wow. That it would come back as uh, no party. No party, yeah. And so we got that problem. You know, I had to battle with the Secretary of State's office and work with the Iowa Senate Democrats. Eventually we got it fixed, though. And after that, our numbers, they started to increase. But over the past, we went from having about 1,500 registered libertarians to now being around 10,000. Oh, wow. So we're bringing in a lot of people, and we're actually doing outreach to a lot of people. We're, we believe that people with different personal beliefs can definitely join the party. because we, we share the same political beliefs, that government should not dictate to you how you're going to believe or run your life so long as you're not harming other people. Mm-hmm. So I I know you guys had uh, an interesting national convention. <laughs> and some of us who are, who are kind of watching that, it's like, so can we can we anticipate if you join the party, are we going to still have you know somebody doing striptease during national conventions? I, like I that? hope not. I was actually I was I was doing some work and I had a TV on in the background and I looked around and think, what is going on? This guy, you know, one person has to run it for everyone. I I hope not. We've never had that happen at the. Uh, at the state party. <laughs> yeah. It's like, at least you can promise you won't be doing that, right? So That's right. No one wants to see me do that, but uh, I don't think anyone wanted to see that gentleman do it either. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, so um, I, as far as, as you think a lot of your momentum had a lot to do with, with just the choices of candidates, or is there something else going on? There's been a slow growth. And it's actually been pretty pretty quick uh, since around 2008. So a lot of people are getting fed up, and momentum's been slowly building. But uh, you know, as we were faced with the choice between Trump and Clinton, there were a lot of people on both sides that said, uh, "You know, I'm an independent voter too." That said, "I just can't vote for either one of them." Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had a lot of a lot of Republicans saying that we we can't support, you know, the, the party of, of big government anymore, and Democrats saying we can't support Hillary Clinton either, and the corruption the corruption they felt was there. So I, I think you probably had Mitt Romney vote for, for uh, Gary Johnson. At least he said he was going to vote libertarian. Cause he, yeah. Because he knew Bill Wall. How do you feel about that? Mitt Romney voting libertarian. I never thought I'd, I'd hear him say that. Yeah, I, I was kind of, I think him and him and Jeb Bush, I was kind of surprised by that one. Uh, we had people that uh, did not like Donald Trump that well, not that these people are libertarian or maybe we'll ever vote libertarian again, some of them. Or maybe they're maybe they're starting to see the see the light and come over. Yeah. We can always hope. <laughs> so for th- those of us who may not uh know what the Libertarian Party stands for, I mean I, I I don't know, but a lot of my listeners may not know. Uh what are some of your basic platform positions? Yeah, our basic positions are that uh and it boils down to the principle that you're free to live your own life as you choose, so long as you're not harming anyone else. Now, we, we draw the line when you start to harm other people. Okay. You can't do that. All right. Anything else? Yeah, yeah you should be, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's it. No, we're done. <laughs> that, that, that's it. Now, uh, we also believe that businesses should be able to operate without interference from the state. We should not be having these massive bailouts that we have, no corporate welfare, we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't be taxed to death. We shouldn't give over the state of Iowa or the federal government or whoever to whatever big corporations want to uh, donate to the politicians. That way they can get their handouts. 
Hey, you're listening to Caffeine Thoughts Radio, and online we have um, Jake Porter, the Executive Director of Libertarian Party of Iowa. Uh, so there's actually a lot of, I think, a lot of uh, platform issues, especially economically, I think uh, Republicans can agree to, um, at least if, if they're truly limited government like they say they are. Some are questionably not as, as committed to that as, they, as we'd like to think anyway. Um, so I, I know that with economic economic platform, there's a lot of things I, I, I'm aligned with the Libertarian Party on. Uh, what about some of the social issues, though? I think that's where we, there's probably some dis- areas of disagreement. Yeah, there might be on, on the social issues. You know, however, you know, a majority of the Libertarians are Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we certainly support the right of, of, you know, Christians to worship as they see fit without interference of the state, to educate their children as they see fit without interference of the state. That's not a, not a function of the state. Right. So there's, there's a lot of areas of agreement as well. That's true. Now you guys have, st- I, I heard that there's somebody that's starting up a, a uh, pro-life uh, cock or a, I guess what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of a, um, not caucus, but a, a group within the libertarian party to attract more pro-life voters. That is correct. Uh, Jocelyn Fry, a great activist has ran for, uh, um, state office and state legislature as a libertarian last year, uh, very active within the pro-life movement, is, uh, is starting an organization. And we've attracted many people from the pro-life uh, uh, movement as well in the past uh, couple of years, Joe Gleason being one as, as well. Mm-hmm. And Sean Dietz uh, has joined our um, uh, state central committee. I, I forget that now that we're a major party, we're no longer an executive committee. We have to adopt uh, yeah, the, uh, the state, state central, central committee. committee. Yeah. Yeah, so you got some, you know, yeah, more work to do and and some different hoops to jump through. So, uh, you know, even with the social issues, I'm thinking now that with the Supreme Court's uh, decision on gay marriage with Obergefell decision, is that the marriage issue may not even be as much of an issue for some people as it used to be, right? Yeah, it it, we, uh, you know, certainly whenever you turn on the news or anything, you hear a lot less about it than what we did in the past. That was something where I think libertarians had people adopted our ideas way back when. It, it never would have been an issue because government wouldn't be involved. <laughs> that's in true. Marriage. They wouldn't be doing marriage licenses. Yeah, so, which is I, I, I have to say that's something that's that's a view I'm totally sympathetic toward now. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that uh, you have you have God in this. Okay, I get that. Where's the state come in? I don't want the state involved in any of my marriages. No, I you know the, the state doesn't uh, have that that right to get involved in, in a personal contract like that. It's a contract between individuals and God. Absolutely. We just have a couple more minutes uh, left. What are, uh, with the time we have left, what are some things that you have, we haven't talked about that you want to make sure people know about the Libertarian Party? That we are, yeah, fast growing, that we are, you know, gaining hundreds of new members, registered voters here in Iowa, that we will have access to the primaries, which is great because, now you'll be able to go and act, instead of going to a convention to try to select our candidates or trying to collect the signatures to get them on the ballot, you'll actually be able to go and vote in our primaries okay. and select the candidates. So we're going to have, I'm sure, a competitive race for the, the governor right. race, that there will be multiple candidates on there. Uh, probably some of the congressional races and even local races, too, will have more than one libertarian show up. So your voice in the, in the primaries will, will matter. So I, I'm kind of curious, any idea who... You might gonna, who might run for uh, governor as a libertarian? 
there are some names floating around. Uh, I don't know if these people would be. They might get extremely upset at me if I, uh, <laughs> I mention them right now. There, That's there peer pressure, people, Jake. <laughs> there are some people that are considering it. Um, and I, I just don't know if they're comfortable with me mentioning their names. Okay, all right. We'll let you off the hook. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've heard. I've seen a couple names floating around in a draft movement going on for a, another person who's a friend of mine. So it'll be interesting uh, to see if she ends up running or not. So, um, Jake, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we appreciate it. Hearing a little bit more about the Libertarian Party, and and I'm sure we'll have some of your candidates on as well as as we get. It's hard to believe we're already talking about 2018. Um, oh, it is. But it's, yeah. it's time's going to fly, and we're going to be we're going to be coming. That's going to be coming up real soon. But we'll be. Looking forward to talking to you candidates and may talking to you some more. Thanks for coming on. Hey, this Thank is. Thank you. Oh, what's your website, real quick? Uh, LPIA.org. All right. LPIA.org. Thanks so much. This is Captain Thoughts Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. Hi, this is Brian Myers of Myers and Associates. If you're involved in maintenance at a manufacturing plant, You know how costly it can be when a machine goes down. And if the reason that machine went down is because the electronic controls on it failed, it can really be problematic if those electronics are obsolete. Well, not to worry. We represent Providence Industrial Electronics Repair, and they can get your machine up and running in no time. They repair boards, drives, servo motors, light curtains, you name it. So if you need industrial electronics repaired at your plant, Or if you have other industrial maintenance needs, give me a call at 515-490-2640. That's Myers & Associates, 515-490-2640. Myers & Associates, keeping your operations running. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Travis Riswold of Modern Woodmen of America. Call Travis at 515-883-0029 and he can help you find the life insurance you need. So, in studio, we don't have many in-studio guests, so it's kind of a special treat. It's always nice to have them. It's always nice to have people come in and visit us. Uh, Because as as my daughter mentioned on Facebook Live, I looked lonely. Tonight, I look so lonely. I've got John Thompson uh, in studio with us. He's a Republican candidate for state treasurer, as well as a member of the Iowa Republican State Central Committee. Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, John. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Shane. So a question I ask everybody who runs for office, why in the world do you want to run for office? In that kind of terms, I don't. Okay. I don't want to run for office. I'm just really worried about Iowa. I'm really worried about the United States. Same reason I joined the military. Okay. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about your background. So, who is John Thompson? You know, what have you done? What's your resume? Yeah, I grew up what in... What qualifies uh, you? I grew up in Jefferson, Iowa, um, out in the farm. My family was a big family. Six kids. All six of us ended up joining the military, including my sister. Um, I enlisted about two weeks after I turned 17. Okay. Um I spent a few years enlisted, and I was accepted to West Point. Yeah. Did you do split training when you joined at 17? Um, you, I was in the Army Reserves my last year of high school. Okay. But so you I did waited basic, to go. Or you do, oh, you waited basic yeah, time I, after you graduated? Yeah, I, I did a year doing drill, and then I went to basic, and 
as soon as I got back from basic, I went active duty. So. Yeah, I was Iowa Guard. They, I did basic before my senior year and then AIT after my senior year. So I had an August birthday, so I couldn't make that work. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, mine was February. So uh, where'd you go to basic? Fort Leonardwood. Ah, Fort Lost in the Woods, yep, in State yeah. of Misery. Yeah. Well. And then uh, what was your MOS? Uh, initially, I was in, oh, what did they call it? It was medical logistics. Okay. Yeah. I was a combat medic myself. Did you did you, did, did you do that uh, Fort Sam Houston? Uh, yes. Okay. Yep. It was All a short short AIT. Then when I went back to active duty, I became an intelligence analyst. Okay. Military intelligence. All yeah. right. <laughs> so, what? Um, so how long did you spend in the army? Um, let's ninety six. See, my my time was funny because I had the year of reserves, and then I went sure. to West Point, and then I was active ten years after that. I guess ninety six to thirteen. So. About 17 years, and not all that counts towards that 20. West Point doesn't, and right, reserves right. is different. So I guess probably 12 years active duty. Okay. All right. So And and got out what rank? Uh, I was on the promotions list of major, but I hadn't pinned yet. Okay. All right. So, um, so you, you, you got out, and then, then what? I, I tell you what, I was finishing up my command at Fort Bragg and two wars, and I'd, I'd gone through some family stuff. I had a pretty bad divorce, which is pretty common in, anymore with especially my classmates from West Point, just the family stuff. And yeah. It wore me down. So um, I, I picked up major, but I also got accepted to do a grad program at Harvard. And so I, d- I decided I needed something different. So, yeah, go, you know, need to take a break and uh, ha- ha- take it easy and go to Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> so what, would you, what degree did you earn from Harvard? I went to the Kennedy School. I got a master's of public administration, um, mostly focused on financial policy and uh, in financial regulations. Okay. Cool. I did a lot of electioneering study, too. I tell you what, I was, I was in the heart of the Democrat system. Yeah. I, I took classes from, from uh, Hillary Clinton's pollster and, and the guy that helped Howard Dean raise money and kind of learned all their playbook and decided that better people needed to be using those things. Okay. Interesting. I, I didn't. I, I didn't know. I guess I'd, I remembered you. You were uh, an army officer. I could. I didn't remember you went to West Point. So you, you, you came back to Iowa after graduation. And what have you been doing since? Um, I've been working a lot in politics, and I've been doing a lot of party building. Okay. I mean, it was actually while I was at Harvard. Um, John Kerry became the Secretary of State, and uh, and Markey had been the, the congressman there in Cambridge. So suddenly there was a special election for Congress. And one of my courses, we had to help um, in that congressional race. And I went and met the Republicans, and it was Cambridge, Massachusetts. I mean, there's just not a lot to be learned or, or, or help to be given there. So yeah. I figured out which Democrat raised the most money, and I figured I'd at least learn some technical things. And okay. after about a 15-minute introduction, they looked me up on Facebook and walked me out of the building and locked the door behind me. <laughs> <laughs> so back at home, they had that. Democrats s- kind of have that reaction to me as well. <laughs> back at home, uh, there was an open race for Senate, and I asked my professor, could I meet the requirement by helping out there? And so I flew back to Iowa for the Reagan dinner, and I met Sam Clovis, and okay. we became friends. And that's kind of what got my foot in the door back in Iowa politics. All right. Uh, so you're, you're a member of the Republican State Central Committee. How long have you been a part of that? Um, about two years. Okay. Yeah. And from your estimation, how, where does how's how's the party looking? Where do we stand? Yeah, we're in good shape. Um, I think we need to have our eye on the ball because you know we're used to being a swing state, and in, in sixteen Iowa rather than Texas. 
Yeah. So we're used to RNC coming in with a lot of money and helping us hire staff, and I'm just not anticipating that happening this time. We're in way better shape than the Democrat Party, but, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of a party builder in the sense I think we need to make the state red, and then I think we need to make it more conservative. And so I don't, I don't want any pendulum swing back. I want to make sure we hold what we got and we start getting some conservative policy passed. Okay. So as far as you running for office, why state treasurer? It was my first day at Harvard. And uh, after coming off the military, um, you know, I, what was I mad about? I was upset that I, I think that the military pension system had made, had made people care more about their, their pension than the, their soldiers and their mission. And it was the number one thing about that kind of bureaucracy that frustrated me. And the professor there on the first day said, who cares about world hunger? Everybody raises their hand. And he said, who's done something about world hunger? It was Kennedy School. I guess a couple people raised their hand. But he said, what you care about is what you put your time and treasure into. Right. And I thought, what has, have I really learned that has affected me that has really made me want to make an impact? And, and that's what it was, our pension system. Um, because I think there are too many people that get locked into those things. And then you have leaders that don't want to take too much risk because they're worried it's going to cost what they have invested already. They just kind of want to play it safe. And, and, and for the most part, government pensions across the border like that. And, that. and that's why I think bureaucracy is ultimately frustrating. No one's really evil or wrong in government, I think, inherently. Mm-hmm. They're just so worried about protecting themselves that they never want to rock the boat they never want to stand up to bad things. They just want to keep their head down. And when they do make a mistake, they'll do anything to cover it up. And so I think it's, I mean, outside just the unfunded liabilities of those, I think the motivator inside government is, is what makes government not effective for the people. Right. So, you know, as far as changes you'd make uh, as treasurer, what are some ideas you think would help secure the pension or, and help make it, I guess, a better program? Well, ultimately, I, I think we need to come um, – you know, we're not the worst in America, but, right. I mean, this is, this is something we're kicking down the road, and this is something we're handing off to our kids. I mean, college is already too expensive. Um, they're going to school to learn to be too sensitive to live on this planet for jobs that aren't there. In addition, they've got all this burden with, you know, just the value of money decreasing that they're headed out to. And, and this is just another thing on the table. So I think we need to get a handle on it. We've got promises to keep to our public employees, too. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just like somebody in the military, you spend 12 years in and somebody changes the system, you're going to get pretty upset. Right. That's why a lot of people say we, we have commitments to keep, but we need to figure out where a line is and figure out how to make it from there forward. We need to maybe increase salaries and make benefits um, more subjective to the market than, than they are just uh, what's negotiated. Okay. Any, any other changes you bring to the treasurer's office? Um. I mean, other than, well, I, I think the, the, I, the great Iowa treasure hunt runs out of that office, too. Yeah. And uh, I've heard a lot of complaints about how accessible that is. Okay. People see their money's in there, but they sure have a hard time getting it out. Hmm. Interesting. Now, I, I, one thing that always annoyed me about Michael Fitzgerald is, is that it seems like he, did, he, he does electioneering on taxpayer dime. I, he, he has generally, uh, the Iowa State Fair, for instance, has mm-hmm. two booths or th- even I think three booths up where most elected officials only have like one and it seems like his his picture and face is plastered all over <laughs> the place michael fitzgerald's great you know iowa treasure hunt in 2014 when i was working for uh, sam clovis on his race i walked over to the democrat booth and i was just kind of trying to 
figure out and do some, some battleground intelligence. And I asked them where their Michael Fitzgerald signs were. And they said, oh, well, he doesn't keep them here because he's got his own booths. And I'm like, for running for office? And the, and the Democrat staffer said, well, basically. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he needs to be retired. So. And in addition to that, he runs, he runs advertisements that feature him prominently, and that's the purpose of them. And we went after that in 14, too. Yeah, I remember that. Remember that we talked with Sam a couple different times, uh, both when he was a U.S. Senate candidate than when he was running for treasurer. But we also got him pushed off TV, and then he went to radio, and then we got him pushed off radio um, just by the FEC regulations and the rates he was paying. And then uh, after that happened, he went to mail, and I, I guess I ran out of ways to push him off the systems. He he managed to get postcards out. Okay, well, uh, hopefully, hopefully he'll have to start spending his own campaign money rather than taxpayer money when he's running against you um any other republicans jumping in or are you gonna are we gonna have a contested primary for you know i haven't heard of anybody okay and in in 14 um when i was asked to run for this initially i was sam was running for senate and i I moved back to iowa to get ready to run and prepare for running because they didn't have a candidate yeah uh fitzgerald has been there for 30 years and uh he's knocked off some pretty good opponents and uh you kind of do have to be pretty dynamic in order to to even have a prayer at doing something like this because mm-hmm. treasure is not a race that a lot of people get excited about. Mm-hmm. Motivating volunteers to right. to help you out is different because a lot of it's like, what do they do? You know, it's I think there's just a yeah a big question mark about what the treasurer actually does other than you know sign the check. I mean, why is that a partisan position? You know, yeah, and and well, I mean, you are a trustee and you're a trustee on the the pensions. Yeah, I, but you know, when when people get excited about things, they get excited about guns and babies and the unborn. It's hard to get people excited pensions. about pension yeah. debt. Yes, yes. Uh, well, and that's that's you know that's one of the reasons I chose a path to go with with party building, and so I have a lot of connections all over the state, and okay. I'm helping to organize an effort. You know, for for years and years and years, there's been party dominated by a, a, a top tier candidate that's helped. Uh, mold the grassroots and keep a network together. Branstad had one and Tom Harkin had one. Mm-hmm. After Harkin left, the Democrats atrophied. Yeah. Now Branstad's about to leave, and we need something in place to, to hold our party together so we can connect the grassroots all the way to Des Moines. Yeah, it'll be, uh, yeah 2018 is going to be interesting uh, with Kim Reynolds running, and I don't know if uh, she'll end up having a, if Ron Corbett will jump in or if there will be somebody else jump in to, to primary her. Um, but I think you know I, I I personally enjoy contested primaries. I think they're they're healthy for parties when they do that. I think uh, I think Democrats probably learned they made a huge mistake in the U.S. Senate race for not having a contested primary because um, you. I don't think they it, made a mistake until that video came out of Braley talking yeah. about on farmers and talking about on Grassley. Well, true. <laughs> up until then, you know, the the spin wasn't wasn't for Republicans, but yeah, yeah, that's true. So it, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch and what we what Republicans do at the state house. So we just had last segment on uh, Jake Porter with Libertarian Party, and mm-hmm. they're going to be having a bigger presence in you know twenty eighteen with you know more candidates running as well. So that I don't know what kind of impact that'll make. Uh, but yeah. I saw they they have a draft movement for Kim Pearson now for the yeah, Libertarian it, Party. For, yeah, yeah, he uh, couldn't get him to commit to who's who's running for can- for governor, but. It might be her. It might be somebody else. He has. There's a couple of people considering it. He didn't want to name names, though, which I understand it being him being the executive director, right? Uh, so, um, 
Yeah, well, anything going on with party level is, with the state senate committee, we our listeners should be aware of with the couple minutes we've got left. Um, well, for the most part, I'll tell you what, if, if there's a time to get involved and there's a time to make a difference, it's now. And if there's a time when someone knocking on doors can make a difference, it's going to be 2018. We're used to all this tidal wave of money coming from outside, both for Democrats and Republicans, um, talking about it in our candidates and TV, the mail, just making everybody sour about it. And that's not coming. It's going to be much less reduced. So when you're going to talk about your neighbor running for supervisor, your neighbor running for state house or state treasurer, yeah, you're going to have a lot more impact because you're not facing constant television and constant mail of negativity. And so those voter contacts are going to mean a whole lot more. This is, a, this is going to be a year where power's coming back to the people if they want to take it. Hey, appreciate you coming in. Where can people learn more about your campaign? I'm John Thompson for Treasurer on Facebook. Right. Or, sorry, John Thompson for Iowa. John Thompson for Iowa? John Thompson for Iowa. Okay, on, just on Facebook, you don't have a website yet? I do. I haven't updated it since 14. Okay, all right. So just check him out on Facebook, John Thompson for Iowa. Hey, thanks for coming. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Shane. Hey, this is Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Myers. When I needed a better life insurance plan, I found it with Travis Rizvold of Modern Woodman of America. When I first met Travis, he wasn't like some other life insurance agents that can be pushy and try to get you to buy something. Travis just made himself available to me. That was it. He told me to let him know if and when I needed anything, and he stayed in touch. When the day came and I did need to make some changes with my life insurance, Travis met with me and walked me through several options so I could make an informed decision. Ultimately, it was the best decision for my situation. So if you need a better or the best life insurance plan for you, call my friend Travis Rizvold with Modern Woodman. His number is 515-883-0029. Travis Rizvold with Modern Woodman. He can help you find the life insurance you need. Call him at 515-883-0029. Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Crosswalk Ministries with Scott Owen, who offers biblical counseling and conciliation. Give them a call at 515-635-5465 or go to crosswalkcounseling.org. That's a new number, by the way. I'm going to say that again. That's 515-635-5465 or crosswalkcounseling.org. Uh, we have a very special guest in line. Usually with the third segment, we, we do our, our typical news rundown, but uh, I, I've got a friend of mine who's got some interesting perspective and ex- experience as it relates to what's going on in North Korea, um, Andy Foster uh, was 1999 Operation Support Command Soldier of the Year. Um, he has a publicly owned political consulting company since 2009. He's worked on races uh, from local to federal level. Uh, he's currently based in Muscatine, but before that he actually uh, was stationed in South Korea and has lived there for uh, uh, five years total. I think you, you had two stints there, one, right? right? Two years and three years? Yeah, correct, Shane. Uh, 1997 to 1999, and then uh, 2003 to 2006, which I was uh, for three years. But I I took about three or four of those months out of those three years in 
and I uh, went over to Iraq for a few months, but then I was back in South Korea. So that did a vacation over in Iraq, huh? Yeah, a little little vacation in Iraq, but uh, give or take five years total. Okay, uh, which gave me a pretty good uh, perspective on on their on their wishes as far as you know when it comes to uh, going to war with North Korea. Right. So, hey, welcome to Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Thanks for calling in, by the way. Um, so, thanks for having me. Hey, very welcome. What? What? First of all, what is it like? Am I, uh, to to be in South Korea, and where exactly were you stationed when you were in South Korea? You know, Shane, uh, South Korea, is, as far as climate-wise, is very similar to Iowa. Um, four distinctive seasons. Uh, the only difference would be um, in the summer, there's about a three-week monsoon season where it really does rain every single day. But outside of that monsoon season, uh, a very hot and humid summer, a very cold and snowy winter, and a beautiful fall and spring, just like we have. So um, it, as far as weather-wise went, uh, it did feel like home. Um, a lot of times you think of Asia, you know, we watch these movies of Vietnam and so forth, we think of the jungle. That's not South Korea at all. Right. Um, there's a lot of mountains. Um, it does snow in the wintertime. It's a very cold winter. Um, so as far as climate-wise, very similar to, from, to Iowa. Okay. <laughs> I, I remember, you know, I was going to say, I watched MASH. I knew that. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, uh, I was as far as where I lived. I uh, multiple places. I lived in uh, Seoul and Tegu and Pyeongtaek. So um, a few different places on different bases uh, around the the country. So what what was your what what is your view of the current tension going on between South Korea and North Korea, and what do you think South Koreans are expecting from the United States? as we see uh, Kim Jong-un continue to uh, uh, saber-rattle? Sure. I think what uh, what a lot of people may not be aware of, it, especially like you mentioned MASH. I mean, if, you just, if you've watched MASH or you just maybe you've read a book or saw a movie on the Korean War, uh, you may not realize that, you know, South Korea is a, is a booming uh, economic powerhouse. Right. Um, Companies like Kia and Hyundai, they're Korean companies. You know, the biggest NBA star, NBA star on the planet, LeBron James, endorses a Kia, which is a Korean car. Uh, millions of us have an LG or Samsung TV in our living room. Uh, both LG and Samsung are Korean companies. Uh, even if you don't have a Samsung TV, you might carry a Samsung Galaxy cell phone. Uh, again, um, you know, a Korean company. Uh, South Korea is the world's second largest producer of ginseng, which is an ingredient used in all of the energy drinks that are so popular. Mm-hmm. So you have this, you know, depending on the year and, and how things fluctuate, it could be ranked 10th or 11th uh, largest economy in the world. So, you know, it's not a, it's by far a third world country. It's by far some, you know, back jungle somewhere. It's a, right. you know, Seoul, Seoul, South Korea looks like Los Angeles. Uh, you know, it's the fourth largest city in the world. 10 million people, and the Seoul Metropolitan doubles that size to 25 million people. Wow. Um, so to give you some perspective on, on that geography, uh, Seoul is, I mean, South Korea is about the same landmass of the state of Indiana. Yeah. Uh, Indiana has, I think, seven, seven and a half million people. South Korea has 50 million people. So it's one of the you know largest densely populated countries um, with 520 about 520 people per square mile. So very urban, 80% of the country lives in, lives in a city. Half of the population lives in a high-rise. So it's a very highly, 
you know, a highly populated but highly dense uh, population, which Seoul, having that 25 million out of the 50 million, is only about 35 miles from the DMZ, the North and South Korean border, which is along the 38th parallel. Wow. So they're not nearly, I mean, as far as what we're scared of, as far as North Korea obtaining a nuclear weapon, you know, if North Korea had a nuclear weapon or not, it doesn't change for one second the fear of the South Korean people because they're not going to be, they're within our, half of the populations within artillery range. Right. So um, if if North Korea has already, or if they at some point develop uh, at any at any level along the nuclear the nuclear weapon uh, spectrum, it's really irrelevant to South Korea because they could half their population could be killed today just from from normal artillery and, and normal mortar because that's how close you know that uh, how much of their population actually lives um, you know within range of that artillery. <laughs> you know the. So the question isn't if we want regime change in North Korea, if, or even if South Korea and Japan want regime change in North Korea, uh, or if President Trump wants regime change in North Korea. If we could snap our fingers and make that happen, everyone would agree that we would do that. Right. The question is, will President Trump use military force to obtain regime change without South Korea or and or Japan's blessing? Because as of right now, we do not have that blessing, or we haven't for years because of that fear. We're talking about, you know, if we go to war with North Korea, we're talking about, I mean, the casualties on the South Korean side, I mean, it yeah. won't be in the thousands, it will be in the millions, because there, there's such a highly populated, you know, densely population right there on that border. Uh, North Korea has a standing ar- army of a million guys um, that are that are well-trained and, and well-armed. Now, South Korea, too, South Korea's army and Air Force and Navy, if it was just one, one-on-one, uh, South Korea could probably hold their own, um, but at but at a cost, yeah. you know, and and at a at a massive cost, you know that we call that war the Korean War. Is, it's kind of it's been deemed the forgotten war. Even if you go to to the uh, see the plaque in Washington D.C. with the monument, it, I, I think it even has the words "the forgotten war" right. on the plaque. And I guess that's probably you know it, it was 1950 to 1953. We had just come off of World War II and. You know, it's sandwiched in between World War II and the Vietnam War, and as far as all the books and the movies and the Hollywood attention, you know, either between World War II and Vietnam, the Korean War really hasn't ever gotten, you know, that kind of attention right. that yeah. that World War II and Vietnam received. However, which is sad because it you could you could make an argument that it's if not the greatest, I mean it's one of one of the United States' greatest military achievements. And the reason I say that is because you have this laboratory of of government now. You have you have this country; it's split in half on the 38th parallel, mm-hmm. North and South Korea. North Korea is communist. South Korea becomes a democracy. And 64 years later, what are the results of that? North Korea is this. I mean, one of the most repressed, suppressed yeah. populations on the planet, um, where you have. I mean, you have to have a picture of the leader on your wall in your living room, and you have to worship him as a god, and you have, you know, a, a government-owned and controlled news. Uh, you know, we th- we think about, you know, government impeding in our lives, and we talk about it all the time in politics, but we have no idea. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you're talking about, we're not talking about the government finding a news organization or, 
calling them up and trying to persuade them or buying them off. And so we're talking about an actual government-owned, controlled media source. And that's your only... That's it. That's yeah. your news station. Definitely or, a, a huge contrast. And we're, we're out of time. Uh, Andy, thank you so much. It's, it's a situation we're going to keep an eye on um, and, and pray for a good result because it could be a complete bloodbath. This is Caffeinate Thoughts Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back. That person brings out the worst in me. I never act like this with anyone else. Sound familiar? I'm Scott Owen with Crosswalk Ministries of Central Iowa, and it's time to pause for peace. Many want to know how some people know how to push their buttons. But the more helpful questions to answer are, who gave them access to their buttons? And what makes those buttons work? Too often, we fail to look at ourselves when someone provokes a response from us that we do not like. We are fixated on blaming them for being good at bringing out the bad in us. But where does that bad come from? The Bible says that it is our sinful desires that keep conflict going. Could it be that the button pusher might actually help you see what is really on the inside? If someone's pushing your buttons, why don't you take the time to stop by our counseling center here in Ames or visit our website at crosswalkcounseling.org. That's crosswalkcounseling.org. Hey, do you want to take advantage of the marketing potential within social media for your company or organization, but you're not so sure how? Let me help. My company, 415 Communications, is a social media consulting firm that works with groups like yours. Go to 415communications.com or give me a call at 515-321-5077. And now it's time for our, our next feature. It's due to the incredible sheer volume of material we have available because the leader of the free world loves Twitter. Today, once again, we're ending the show with the top Trump Tweet of the week. So, without further delay, drumroll please. The first tweet, there's two. This is a two for today. At, uh, this I guess would be Thursday at 8.48 a.m., he tweeted out, failing at New York Times, NY Times, which has been calling me wrong for two years, wrong. That's that's me. He didn't tweet that. <laughs> wrong for two years. Just got caught in big lie concerning New England Patriots visit to WH, meaning White House. Basic, yeah, yeah. Basically, My goodness. The story behind that is that he uh, he had the white the Patriots uh, to the White House because they won the Super Bowl, and the New York Times ran a comparison. I think this was on Twitter. They did this it was comparing um, the Patriots' visit to the Obama White House in 2015 <laughs> uh, and the picture taken and that showed more Patriots uh, off the in, off the sides sure. compared to the one where Trump, with Trump in 2017 saying more Patriots stayed out of of uh, the, the Trump White House visit than, you know, than visit mm-hmm. the Obama White House. Okay. Which the Patriots actually uh, defended Donald Trump said that's not true. <laughs> Basically, they were seated differently. Sure, uh, they were like in front, and it, they they were kind of cropped out of the, the picture that the New York Times used. So they completely lied. 
Um, oh my goodness. And whether that was intentional or unintentional, I don't know. I can't get in the mind of the person who did their social media, but it looked bad and, and they were rebuked when the Patriots are jumping in there and saying, um, yeah, context is, is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Absolutely. It was good to see that they called, they called them out on it. Next tweet, a uh, five, 35 a.m. because we know this is when the best tweets happen <laughs> and this was on friday morning when he you know he does it in the his best ones are like three o'clock four o'clock in the morning another terrorist attack in paris the people of france will not take much more of this will have big effect on presidential election uh because apparently donald trump has his finger on the pulse of the french people and he knows what will impact their presidential elections mm-hmm. obviously there is a movement toward the right-wing candidate. I think it's Marie Le Pen. That's how yep. you pronounce her name. Yeah. Uh, so that that's something to watch. Um, I have n- I have no opinion of the French presidential election. Uh, frankly, I don't think President Trump should have an opinion of the French presidential election. It would probably be better. He'd probably be better off if he just didn't tweet about it. Because yeah. whoever wins, he's going to have to work with. So. Um, you know, and as far as the people, France will not take much more of this. You know, we'll see. Uh, you know, because this certainly the, the most recent shooting uh, was not as as bad as they've seen before. I think there's already kind of a groundswell movement. You know, pushing back on these things and and needing to. You know, they recognize they need to change some of their policies. But will will that actually happen? I don't know. They haven't even uh, actually fully identified the individual yet, have they? I don't believe so. Okay. Um, so at least not the time of us recording this yep. anyway. Watch it probably right after we're done recording. <laughs> yeah. They'll probably at identify noon. at noon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on Saturday morning, the people hear this. What? We know who that is. Absolutely. So anyway, hey, thanks for listening. This is Caffeine. You were listening to Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Be sure to check us out because we do have this little thing called a blog. Uh, that we have updates every day, caffeinatedthoughts.com. Check us out on caffeinatedthoughts.com. Hey, this is Shane Vanderhart. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.